0: And welcome back to The Latecomers, episode 301. I'm Amity.
1: I'm impressed.
0: <laughs> cool, but what's your name, though? It is Lemuel. <laughs> and this week, we are going to talk about a movie. That movie is The French Connection, a movie that gave me feelings, which we'll get into. Uh, before we get into that, guess what I'm going to add?
1: you're going to ask me how was um, Godzilla a Monarch Legacy of Monsters and I will say it was fun.
0: How was your week? <laughs> it was good. Okay. I also saw a thing that I liked. I liked that thing, but I also saw another thing that I liked, which we'll talk about at the end of the episode. And uh, I finished a project that's been going on for three weeks. Yes, you have. And I'm so excited about it. Good. It's a it's a weird project and that I just I don't know, what do you call it? Like, I I re-fixed my living space. I tore it down to the studs, and I rebuilt it better than it was before. You
1: threw out that which does not give you joy.
0: Yes, and put everything that does give me joy in my line of sight so my ADD ass could remember what I own. There we go.
1: Yep. So the way to go.
0: I'm wearing a necklace that I haven't worn in, like, three years. (laughs) So we're off to a good start. All right, let's talk about this movie. This movie. This movie is 1971. This movie is William Friedkin. Who we're going to talk about it again soon. Right. And this movie is Gene Hackman and a tiny baby where Shider and uh and uh and police and drugs and a good car chase. That speed took a lot from. Yes, it did. <laughs> uh, and that I'm mm, Let's talk about the director. <laughs> Let's start Let's... there. William
1: Friedkin is kind of a loon.
0: <laughs> I hear, or I, I read a bunch of stuff on this uh, movie, trying mm. to understand yeah. other people's opinions, and uh, people seem to think that this is his best film. I haven't seen The Exorcist yet, so we'll see. Uh, how do you feel about his filmography? His
1: filmography is very interesting. I've always liked his work because he's very much an individual. Mm. Um, some of the films that you might might have seen, he
0: did Killer Joe. I do like that movie he very much. He did Bug. I also like that movie very much. Um, he, based on a play. So. Right. He's very good
1: at, I think I was explaining to you that his his opuscula seems to be based on the idea that people fucked around and found out. Yeah, and that yeah. seems to be the case in nearly all of his films, is that somebody makes a serious mistake. Well, or this collapse that. in judgment, and then pays a price for it. Or everyone around them pays a price for it. And that is a theme that he comes back to again and again and again. He's a very interesting director in that he's sort of idiosyncratic. He likes his films to have different... Feels all of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so the yeah, I'm looking at this list, and I'm just like very different from The French Connection, which would be very different from The Boys in the Band. Right. Uh, so he is really interesting, and everyone who I know was, you know, dealt with him because he, uh, he worked both with larger and smaller films, um, said he was a really fascinating person to talk to. But yes, he was kind of nuts.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know what? That's okay. Nuts is fine. <sighs> oh, mm.
1: So what is so should we I mean there's not really
0: much to go There's not any. much to, okay. Yeah. So um, fundamentally this is a movie about people and those right. people are well it's about a person, let's be realistic. Mm-hmm. As much t- time and space as we spend with the other characters, right. this movie is about Jane Hackman as Popeye Doyle. That's what this movie is about. And here's the thing I hate this man. Right. I hate this man deeply in my soul. And so did Gene Hackman. Well that's good.
1: Um <laughs> while
0: he was playing him or afterwards while because he was he's
1: type t- so typecasted. He, he is in the film. Popeye, or rather, uh the, the uh, Egan. Yeah. Uh the actor that uh, So
0: this is based on based loosely on a true story. Right. Eddie Egan and his partner Sonny
1: Sonny Grosso. Roso. Who um they nicknamed him the opposite of Sunny, which was Cloudy, which is why is Roy Scheider goes by Cloudy.
0: Because okay, his name his nickname, yes. So uh, it's Popeye Doyle, Popeye is not his real name, and it's Cloudy is uh-huh. his is Roy Scheider's nickname. And the whole time I was like, why is he called Cloudy? Right. And I will say this Roy Scheider is in a lot of this movie. Roy Scheider has approximately nine lines in this movie.
1: Well, see, so <laughs> these two men, the the bus that they're dramatizing. Yeah. Did actually happen, right? Uh, the and they were two cops who had a ridiculous arrest record, and so they would bring in lots of people to night court every night who were just for, black. Well, yes. but what I <laughs> people who were like people black. who were not because um, they worked in Harlem at the time, um, and they would bring in lots of people on just tiny little charges. Yes. But they were bringing them in constantly, and that a judge gave uh, Egan the nickname Popeye. There's a couple of different explanations for why he called him Popeye. Yeah,
0: I I don't understand. I doubt he was eating no, spinach. Has, and I, I'm
1: freaking made that very clear. It I has don't nothing think it, to it do has with to the do the with his man.
0: forearms. Oh, okay. Uh, it has to do with either he
1: had a thing for women, particularly yeah, we that. women wearing boots. Yeah. It's, it's that very kept odd. happening. That, that happens. That was real life. He just loved women in go-go boots. That was a thing of his fetish. Got it. All right. And uh, according to one interpretation, it's Popeye because he's constantly keeping an eye on... Like a wooga. like yeah. That kind of a thing? Gross. Or he was keeping an eye on all the neighborhood traffic because he was sort of, you know, he would come in to a bar or a place, rousted, and then, you know, do you know what, who I am? I'm Popeye Doyle, right. or rather Egan. Right. Um, also, he was once, there's a judge who, having been brought in case after case after case in one particular evening, that were Egan's, he says, um, he gave him the nickname Popeye, which stood for, um, let's see, people, uh, plenty of people enhance your evening. That's a, that's, Dumb. Nobody right.
0: did that. Well, that's, again, <laughs> that sounds that's a claim like from the book. Utter bullshit. So that's oh, okay.
1: Paulson, probably the reason why, uh, because there was a, a, a number of different stories about how he got this nickname. Gotcha. They didn't, uh, Friedkin didn't ever bother explaining
0: why he There's a lot of things they don't bother explaining. Right. There's a picking your toes in Poughkeepsie Which he explained line. also, again, not in the course of the film,
1: <sighs> that it was something that these two cops did to disorient people And get them to just slip up while they were uh, trying to get information from them. So, in other words, one of them is... Egan apparently was, uh, from what other people described him on the making of this film, was this very larger-than-life character. Yeah. Who, the moment that he and uh, his partner... Cloudy. uh, Cloudy, right? Uh, Grosso, they made this huge drug bust. They actually... You know, found this.
0: Imp- yes, the drugs, were in the car, the whole thing. They got the drugs. Mm-hmm. They did not make a drug bust. Let's be very clear. They caught low level people. Right. Nobody got more than four years in prison.
1: And the, the well, what one of the complaints was that the the French, the actual French Connection, as such, with this French and Corsican people who were dealing the drugs inside the United States or buying the plot was to buy an automobile. Here uh have the drugs delivered. Switched over right, switched over for cash that then actually would be put back into the car. Yeah. And then sent uh sent back to friends. Yeah. That those details are correct. It was an actual documentary filmmaker who it's
0: was, less drugs in this than it is in the In real life, it was 256 pounds. In real life, Mm -hmm. it was 120 pounds in this. I don't know, I don't know why you'd lessen that, but so these two men
1: got a reputation and a book was written about them. The it was written, it how much of the story is absolutely true, we don't know. None, because very little the author essentially kind of starstruck them. The author was having dinner one at one point with. Uh, John Wayne at a local restaurant and invited these two guys to come over knowing that Sonny's favorite movie star was John Wayne. Right. And so he was so starstruck that he just kind he's, of... He's...
0: He, right. They're both going to embellish what happened. Right. But
1: Eddie Egan apparently, according to Grosso, just completely took over the conversation Shocking. and made it the Eddie Egan show. Uh-huh. And so from that point on, it it was really taken from his point of view. Right.
0: Let's call them, let's call them Popeye and Cloudy, and let's just talk about the mm-hmm. movie characters right. now, because they are, be, like, drawn on these characters, right. and I think both of them were... In the film. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and did, like, c- consulting, for right. what did that's They did
1: consulting both of the lead actors. Yeah. As well as William Friedkin actually spent time on the streets with a patrolling Yeah, for like a
0: month beforehand, right? Yeah, okay. All right. Let's start at the start as far as my issues, generally and across the board, go. Right. First, we'll be very clear. Uh, I'm coming to... you (laughs) When we were driving into... Uh, work on Friday morning you were like, Ugh, I'm worried about watching this movie. Mm-hmm. And I was like am I going to be sad or am I going to be mad? And you're like, you're going to be mad. <laughs> and I was mad. I wasn't mad during it. Mm-hmm. I was irritated right. during it. But I wasn't mad. Now I've sat with it for two days. One day. We watched it yesterday. Mm-hmm. Right? And now I'm mad. Okay. <laughs> so uh I am at this point in my life basically a complete abolitionist as far as police go. <laughs> All right. I am cool with dismantling the entire system. It's it's foundational uh roots are in slave catchers and that's uh, been just mm. that ever since and uh they don't stop crime and they don't help people except for property owners and I don't Like them, if as a white woman, I've never had a positive cop interaction, that should tell you something. So, I hate cops. I especially hate cops who don't give a fuck about rules or rights. Uh, I don't know where we are in terms of what's legal and what's not, uh, chain of command and evidence and things like that, but these motherfuckers, specifically Popeye, it just gives no fucks about whether people actually did a crime. Like it's well,
1: what, bananas. What um, what I got from this film because the first the, the opening scenes take place actually in Marseille.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually really like the opening. Mm-hmm. We have a, a dude who is a cop, right? right, and he is targeted by basically the our main bad guy's assassin, mm-hmm. who's almost a bigger part of the movie than right. than the um, Charnier. Is that... I'm going to get his name wrong. Well, oh. yes,
1: just don't call him. They have a nickname for Charnier oh and his assistant.
0: Every single person uh-huh. in this movie is either referred to or uses slurs. Right. And generally both mm-hmm. generally both of those things are true it's a lot it's 1971 so time and a place i guess but mm-hmm. like <sighs> all right so and it, so he shoots him this assassin shoots this guy dead mm-hmm. in the face like it was a violent shot right and uh and and because it's in the streets of france um This dude was carrying a baguette (laughs) because, of course, he was. And the dude, the the assassin, reached out, reaches down and picks up uh, the baguette and tears off a piece and then takes it with him when he goes, which is amazing. Uh, So that's where we start. And then, and then the cops. Mm -hmm. And uh, right at the beginning, y'all, I got to tell you, speed, we've talked about speed. We talked about speed Mm -hmm. earlier in the season. I love Speed so damn much. This movie, or that movie, steals shit from Speed from fucking front to back. Right. Starting with, Cloudy gets shivved in the very first scene he's in. Just like Jeff Daniels. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, I mean, he gets shot, but same, same. Cloudy gets shivved, they bring in whoever the perp is, and this is, there's a lot of that. He keeps going, do you pick your toes in Poughkeepsie? Like, it's this whole thing. And I'm just like, that's First of all, that sounds gross. Like, I am upset by the phrasing and the whole thing. Uh, But also just like, what the fuck are you talking about? There's like no background. In the winter, right? Mm -hmm. In New York. Um, Sometimes it hit
1: degrees just below zero during the making of this film. Uh Uh, So our opening scene, we see Eye dressed as Santa.
0: That's right. That's (coughs) what it was. He's the Santa thing.
1: Small African American children. The yeah. best interaction he has with nearly Black any yeah. African American character in the entire film, and his partner is tossing a bar. Yeah, they get together. They at one point he gets everyone's drugs out. That's a, a that's in a NH later bar. scene.
0: But yeah, they're <clears throat> right. they <laughs> but his thing
1: is to just toss bars all the time.
0: At least. As, yeah, the first thing we do is we see them just chasing this black man, mm-hmm. just full tilt mm-hmm. through the streets of New York, and upside, they don't shoot him, so there's that, uh, and then, yeah, he stabs Cloudy, and then Popeye gets all mm-hmm. violent with him, because he stabbed his partner, brings him in, it is, that's fine, um. This is, when we're in the police station, we keep hearing that Popeye's hunches led to the death of a cop. Are we ever going to know about that? No, we're not. We're never going to hear about that. And guess what? It's going to happen again. And then, so at the end of this day, Cloudy, stabbed, just wants to go home, and Popeye's like, no, let's go out. I'll buy you a drink. And they go to the Copacabana, which is not where I did not realize that's where they were. And they're having a drink at the bar and Popeye is scoping. He's just looking for crime on his off time. Apparently, cops in 1971 or 69, whenever this actually took place, don't have cases assigned to them. They just decide what their cases are going to be and that's what they Mm -hmm. do. And it's bananas. I'm just like, you can't just go into a bar, think that dude's acting shady and then Tap his phones, and tail him, and shit. I'm just like, don't you have mm-hmm. actual work to do? What's going on? It seems like
1: whatever details about actual policing um, were left out of the film because it was too much of a procedural, and that's not necessarily what freaking wanted.
0: That feels compl- like, That feels so irresponsible to me. Mm.
1: Well, because all that's left is what Friedman experience having gone on patrol with them, which is that tossing a bar is what both Hackman and um and, and
0: Friedman all saw them doing. They were doing this routinely. That makes it worse. Right. I understand that. That's <laughs> like, up. So, so aspiring cops mm-hmm. are watching this movie just going, well, I can do whatever the fuck I want, especially right. the black people. Because they are, of course, well, over policing black neighborhoods.
1: Just before they go into the bar, mm-hmm. or, or they go into the nightclub, right?
0: Oh, they're right at the beginning of the nightclub. Right, right. right. They're
1: in the, uh, the police uh, station, and Popeye turns to, and this completely ran. It ran by so quickly, I didn't even hear it. Catch really. it, right? He tells, um, he tells his partner, "Never trust a Negro." Doesn't use the oh word yeah. Negro.
0: No, I remember that. Yeah, and.
1: Apparently, that was what, one of the issues that Friedkin had was he didn't necessarily want to cast Gina Hackman,
0: right. Yeah, no, they looked for literally everybody right. else. And, they, and a lot of people were like, uh, I'm too pricey for you. Right. <laughs> Paul um, Newman was the first choice, too pricey. Uh, there
1: were some other people who might have done a great job, too. I mean, Lee Marvin or Charles Bronson. Was I saw considered... Mitchum
0: was an option. Right. Um, I also saw that Peter Boyle was an option, right. and I thought that would actually be that really good. Really I like him a lot. He thought it was too violent. He's right.
1: <laughs> the person who really was campaigning hard for the part was Ron Taylor, who was an actor I liked. Ever since I saw him in the time machine years right. ago. And he was a genuine tough guy actor, right? an yeah. Australian. Um, and he didn't get the part. It got, went to Hackman because the producers were insistent on it. What Friedkin's problem with Hackman was, was that he could not stand Egan. It's like I Hackman couldn't. Hackman could not. He's
0: like you're a disgusting human right. being. Right. He's like I can't he's do
1: a it. Disgusting human And being. he says that Friedman, Friedkin was saying my issue with Hackman's performance is that he was not willing to go into this weird dark place to find out who this guy was, and Friedkin was trying to use this as an example, saying this is the asshole who's taking care of the streets, right? He was deliberately putting. Uh, he was deliberately putting Popeye Doyle as an example of someone. Who loses all perspective, right. and that's what the ending of the film is supposed to be about that we're gonna to get to. Right. That's just really ambiguous and weird. But um but it came down to particularly Gene Hackman saying, I don't want to say the N-word. Uh I don't want to say that he's apparently very good for Hackman, very liberal in real life. I yeah, that weird, seems right. But it's like I
0: will say though, you know, he is in this role. I, right. I I like Gene Hackman, yeah. generally. I hated him.
1: Well, that's kind of what Brinken's thing was, and people—I've read a lot of positive criticism about his performance. Yeah,
0: and he really hated playing this part. The performance Mm -hmm. was the best to Mm -hmm. me—the best part of this movie. But the fact that he was performing such a complete fucking asshole. Is very that's, difficult. That's
1: something that both Schreider and Friedkin and the writer of the film, who's Ernest Tidyman, yeah. who it's very funny when the producer uh, and uh, Friedkin first met Tidyman, they expected him to be a black man because he was the, car- he's the writer who created Shaft.
0: Turns out, no, Shaft was written by a white dude. Shaft a, was supposed to be a white right, dude. He was supposed to be a white guy. That's right. I knew that weirdly. But, <laughs> in but my head. yeah, they were
1: expecting that because of the success of Shaft. And here he goes, he's a white guy from Ohio. And <laughs> I like, wait, the yeah. way he wrote this. But um, so again, it's like it was for, um, in terms of trying to capture that personality, that scene, that early scene really kind of bugged him. 'Cause I like I don't wanna do this. No wanna do it. And Friedkin's telling him, but the whole point is that this is the guy that you have patrolling the streets. This is the guy that's has who's assigned himself this mission to keep us safe and everyone's with him mm-hmm. up until the end when he starts Going off the rails, and people are still kind of backing him because yeah. his hunches, right?
0: Except his hunches—they keep saying, right. your hunch led to, your last hunch led to a dead cop." So why the fuck mm-hmm. is he allowed to follow his hunches? Like normally, right. if you're a cop killer, they kill you. <laughs> like unless you're one here, of them, he, I guess.
1: Yeah, like, no spoiler—he
0: actually kills somebody. Yeah, and yeah, not he, even a cop, a right. uh, fed. Which is that true? I don't know if that is. I didn't see I anything, anything saying yay it. or nay. My guess is no. no. Right. Because they were transferred, but he kept his job. Right. So, uh, yeah. So somebody in the storyline part of IMDB wrote maybe one of the most nauseating and infuriating phrases that I have ever read in my life, and that is this. Popeye Doyle, a short-tempered, alcoholic bigot who is nevertheless a hard-working and dedicated police officer. The fuck? Yeah. That's insane to say. Right. It is.
1: Hackman's take on him was, if this person didn't... This is the one <laughs> from having known the actual Egan. Yeah. The guy. Is that he goes, this guy, he lived to do this and he couldn't do anything else. Yeah. And that was it. This is why he... But was, he
0: also couldn't do this.
1: Right, he couldn't do this right, he couldn't do this legally. You know, the... the the um This was part of, and we saw another film on a similar to- a topic, a little bit uh, different in its approach, which would be Dirty Harry. For sure. Um, which came out
0: a couple of months after this, right. a few months
1: after this. One. But it was part of this kind of genre, uh, or genre, of police officers who have been exposed to so much violence that they're very much on the edge of violence themselves, and then the, something happens that tips them over.
0: I will argue, though, that Shane Hackman is exposed to so much violence because he initiates right. violence.
1: It's not Whereas like the, the Harry Callahan character, if you remember, he acts once it started. Yes. but he acts with so much conviction that people wind up getting killed.
0: yeah he he loses he loses control when he's in it. Right, Popeye never yeah, has control. There's no the control situation
1: to begin with. You know, um Cloudy wouldn't have gotten stabbed yeah. had it not been for his just manhandling everybody in this bar. Yeah. And then blames the victim. They never trust one of them, Yeah, you know, in essence. Yeah. Uh, it's like, but yeah, but you started this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And
0: then they're sitting, and the right. same thing, they're sitting in a bar, they're mm-hmm. like, that dude looks shady. Oh, look, he's talking to this other shady dude. Right we're gonna this is our new case by the way
1: they're all assigned again by ethnic identities yes the jewish guy the italian guy
0: yeah (sighs) and they follow him around
1: well all through the next day yeah and what's odd is
0: that that apparently not just the uh, next day from that night at the bar they stake out overnight and they see him the next morning Mm -hmm. as they're coming back from the club like it's yeah. Banana.
1: And apparently that was also true. It's that the, the, the genesis of the entire uh, story happened that exact way. He, you know, uh, Grosso, was, Grosso was trying to get home
0: and he said, like, let's go drink because I just always drink because he is deeply an alcoholic. Right. Later we see him waking up at dawn at a in a bar, a bar right. which that bartender, God bless, because. Right. <laughs> like well i was supposed to go home four hours ago but i guess fuck me because this dude has passed out and then he goes and picks up a girl on a bike in big boots long boots high boots um but yeah so he's very obviously an alcoholic his His ankle to the bed i don't know it's very strange um but yeah so he so my takeaway is Mm -hmm. police in new york Right, in the late sixties, early seventies just made up their own crimes and followed them and tried to prove mm. them, which is not what well, maybe it is what cops do I don't it just seems right totally out of hand. It's not like you never hear his um superiors go, "You have other things to work on." You're letting these other cases go to, you know, all he does Mm -hmm. is find people to charge crimes with, charge with crimes. is like, and this
1: is um, a comparison that gets overused and it's not flattering, it shouldn't be, is uh, describing a person as a bulldog. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what he does. He sinks his teeth into something and he just keeps shaking it until something shakes loose. Yeah. And I, I think that we that see some
0: terrible weed, but like right. yeah, he goes and tosses a bar, as you say, it's a black, mm. black bar. There's no one in there that's white; mm. just all black people. He forces them up against the wall. He makes them out turn his their pockets.
1: Makes them refer to him as Mister Doyle.
0: Mister Doyle. Um, he, th- there's a bunch of like those little like almost key envelopes, mm. little uh, manila envelopes that all have apparently pot in them. He's looking for something harder, but they're all, it's all... Well, there's pills too, but... Oh, no, that's no. right, yeah. And then he takes one of the guys who walks out of the bathroom into a back room. Um, and I was like, oh, this dude's an cover cop. And mm. then he was. And then he gets to punch him in the face to prove that he's, he you know, to keep his cover or whatever. Mm. But he, he goes in and he's like, none of these people have any... Any hard drugs? And I'm like, well, you have an undercover cop in here. What are you even fucking doing here? Right. Like, it doesn't make any sense. And then he, the two people with a bunch of, like, little envelopes in their pockets, like I said, just weed um, and pill, you're right, weed and pills, um, they have outturned all of this stuff uh, into a pile on the bar. They've been cuffed, and they're, they're forced into the payphone Um, (laughs) booths and have to stay there and then they're cuffed and taken out both of them with none of the drugs they had in their pockets that's just left on the bar in a pile and i'm like you're gonna take these dudes to jail with literally no evidence because you left the fucking evidence back in the bar Mm. and they're definitely gonna go to jail like they're definitely gonna get convicted of something and go go spend some time in jail and it's like how do you not even need evidence Like, what the fuck is going on? I mean, racism. Right. Remember when I said slave catchers? It's that, again. Um, And it's just like, it's so gross. It's just gross. And then, yeah, every time, even the white characters they're referring to by, you know, ethnic, or not ethnic, but like nationality slurs, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Sorry, everyone. I'm going to say what they call the French. Frogs with the various well, na- number frog after Frog 1 and Frog one 2. And frog, two. frog 1 is
1: uh, played by uh, Fernando, Fernando Rey, who is Spanish. And that was odd, too, because... The, apparently, uh, it was a, mistake yeah, a case Friedkin of mistaken identity. He said to his, uh, the casting director, uh, that guy from Belle de Jour, who did the, the film, um,
0: you know... Give me that guy, and he got another actor. A from different one, Bel-de-Jour. yeah. And then they found the one that they wanted, but then he didn't speak French or English. And right. they're like, "Well, I guess we're going the other one," <laughs> which is wild. And
1: and <laughs> the thing is that Fernando Rey gives a really good performance. Yeah, he's good because he plays
0: someone who is the opposite of Doyle in that he's got he shows not one single emotion through this yeah. entire movie, even when he's like up right. against it.
1: And he's just, so chill. The it's the actor wild. that plays the uh, his connection in States. Yeah. Is Tony Le, uh, Tony Lobianco. Lobianco. And um and there's a scene where Lobianco is talking about talking to his uh his lawyer, uh-huh. who um and he's saying this guy is he's he's got brass balls. He doesn't flinch, he doesn't do any of that. Uh-huh. He's never
0: freaked out about anything. That's why he's, he's really the, in charge of all the things. Right. Uh, Yeah, it's...
1: (sighs) And so he does a really good job, Fernando does a ray of being just the opposite of Doyle. And there's a great scene where uh, Cloudy and Popeye are tailing him. You know, he's staying in a hotel, and there's a great shot of him enjoying some sort of pastry after a really fine meal. Yeah. And we can see through the window... Doyle's across the street eating this pizza. Yeah, in the freezing cold. Yeah, <laughs> and his coffee's gone cold, so he throws it out. And <laughs> meanwhile, you know, this is they're opposites.
0: Yeah, it, you know, one... and he's so mad about it.
1: Right, he is.
0: Um, so they figure out, sort of they they put together in their head mm-hmm. that this conspiracy is happening. They're not a hundred percent sure because. They've made it up from the get, so yeah. it, they're kind of lucky that they actually felt like that guy is
1: talking to that guy is talking to that guy. I wonder what they're up to, yeah. And they just keep digging until eventually they find something.
0: This is the time before everybody was on camera all the time. Right. Can you imagine if this dude had oh, access to today's technology? He couldn't be a cop today. Well, let's fucking hope not. <laughs> there are terrible people well, as there cops are, now. I think that... It, he couldn't be a cop in New York. He could be a cop in a small town.
1: That's probably true, yeah.
0: Um, yeah, where they're going to just be like, mm. Mm, just don't that's worry just about his it. his way. Yeah, it's just... He'd probably... If he could get to the top, mm-hmm. main sheriff or whatever, like head, right, and then just did whatever the fuck he wanted. Um, so... Then there's a car chase. There's a the car chase. It's a car chase.
1: Right, and the car chase starts. And again, this is William Friedkin who does has a real not mean streak, but there's really there's real viciousness to his yes. action scenes. Yes. And I kind of I appreciate that as I've told you because I don't like Sanitized action where no one gets hurt and no one gets yeah. impacted. And what happened is. Yeah, that
0: somebody gets punched a thousand times right. and is still unblemished, unbruised, and keeps getting up and running. I'm like, no, no, no.
1: no. Right. Because uh, if we were. I had you watch a, a, a fight from a Bruce Lee film, and you were like, how does that guy keep getting up after? Yeah. He's repeatedly.
0: Honestly, Bruce Lee hits me once, I'm dead. I am deceased.
1: He's hitting Bob Wall repeatedly in the testicles until finally it's like that was. That's right. He keeps.
0: He hits him in the in the groin area, not less than three times. Yeah, and I was like, y'all tell me that that's the worst. How is he still up? I mean, granted. He's not actually getting kicked. Right. And he probably he would have a cup on even because yeah. he's in a geek, right? Yeah. Do, I assume you wear a cup. Oh, yes. In, okay. <laughs> I don't know. Right. Um, but even still, <laughs> it's just like. Right. You either are hyping up how bad that hurts or, or this it, is just like right. we've left reality entirely. This, yeah, it's a. Uh...
1: If that was a that whole film is a lot of fun to watch. But yes, you're going no that that any one of the things he hit you with would have killed you.
0: Whenever but, anybody gets punched in the throat, I'm right. like, you're done. You might not be dead, but you are finished with this fight. Right. And you are finished for at least two weeks. You're not going to be able to eat. You're not going to be yeah. able to swallow so, or breathe. <laughs>
1: I mean, one of the things I appreciate is that like the first scene we see the guy shot in the face and that's yeah. it.
0: The same assassin asks. uh, What is his his name? The assassin's name? Uh, Nicole. Nicole
1: asks um, Charnier if he can, if if it's a good idea to get rid of Doyle. Yeah. And Charnier
0: says, don't. He'll just be replaced by another one. Right. And then the cops will really be onto us. The cops are onto them. Right. There's and before this
1: comes, uh, I think my second favorite kind of action scene, which is Doyle tagging along trying to follow him. Yeah. And they play a real game of cat and mouse. I
0: will say the f- the ch- the tail scenes, uh-huh. the ta- you know where they're following people in traffic in this movie. So much better than Vertigo where oh he's just God. driving around out
1: in the open. It's
0: like, she could definitely see you as the only other car in this alley. What right. the fuck are you doing?
1: But yeah, I appreciate that scene where uh, Charnier's is very much aware that Doyle is falling. Oh him. yeah,
0: hundred percent. Oh the yes right. the the train and he's so not sh- like not cool about right. this, Like do 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 Like <laughs> Popeye is like as soon as he, he knows he's been clocked. He'd right. already been clocked previously. So he knows that Charnier knows what he looks like. Right. And he's just so conspicuous in his trying to be inconspicuous. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he gets on the, like, he'll get on the train, then Charnier will get on the train, then Charnier will get off the train, and then he'll get off the train, but then he gets right back on the train. Like, it's this whole yeah, thing. And then true. at the end, he, of course, Charnier ends up on the train, mm-hmm. Doyle, of course, ends up not on the train, and Charnier just gives him a little little finger wave. <laughs> Bye! And, and it's no, very good. Chases the chases train. The train and platform, tries to open a door. Throws on his hat. <laughs> like, he's he just. That <laughs> hat is ridiculous. He's a, it's a pork pie, right? He it's was. It's Um, <laughs> but, so, yeah. So, he's, like, wound up. He's like, I'm going to get mm-hmm. this guy. And then, yeah. Nicole, Nicolai. I don't. Mm-hmm. It's a French name. And so, I'm he definitely shoots, not pronouncing it shoots. Right. Or
1: he attempts to actually just ignores Charnier's advice. Because yeah. he likes to shoot people. Preferably right. in the face. So he tries to shoot Doyle from a distance and hits a woman pu- pushing her pram.
0: That's right. He's a, he's got a sniper rifle right. up on a roof, and yeah, he hits. A, he just straight murders a mom, just the mom of a baby. Right. It, wh-
1: and <laughs> and that's kind of what um, it felt very real. Like yeah, he's hiding behind the tree, and then these women come out of the crowd and just start like. Are you okay? And he's yelling and he's at them. And he's like, "Get, get away! The there's run. a sniper. You need to go." Uh, and another point, he's running to try to get to the roof of the building because he sees where the sniper is. Yeah. And he passes two kids just looking at him through the window,
0: smiling like, "Hi, Mister Officer. What are you You're screaming?" You know. Nobody knows he's a cop. <laughs> well, <I> mean, <laughs> he's a sweaty man right. who definitely smells like gin, <laughs> running in in full plain clothes. And that leads to a
1: really remarkable chase yeah during which it starts out on foot it gets onto the train yeah uh uh
0: the assassin nicole gets on a train popeye misses it so Mm -hmm. he goes down and he commandeers a car here sees also speed and then i looked at you and i said can you really do can cops do that (laughs) and you said yes I don't know what the. Words are. I
1: haven't seen anybody do it in a long time, but yes, it used to be but something that was done. But Keanu Reeves
0: does it in speed, and then he he gets he finds out where the next mm-hmm. station is, which is weird because it's an elevated train, and he's driving under it the entire time. Mm-hmm. You're not; it's going to stop. Right at a place to... that looks like a station,
1: like. <laughs> um, see, the thing is, we have the the misunderstanding because we deal with a BART system where it just stops at every stop.
0: And I guess that's right, and they don't so necessarily in there, like um, if it's an express or whatever. Right. Okay, fair enough.
1: And they have wider tracks, so they're they're switching too, which is what the guy on the yeah. know, from the train is doing.
0: So but, yeah, he's driving. You thought he was driving always on the wrong side, and he would only drive on the wrong side of the road. Mm-hmm. Like, he's not going up a one-way street the wrong way. Right. He'd drive on the wrong side of the road when there are people parked at lights and stuff. Mm. And so, yeah, he's he's going back and forth, driving. He's technically chasing the train, mm-hmm. but what he's really doing is swerving in and out of traffic, trying to get right. to the next the station he needs to get to. And apparently... They had, um, they had scripted a bunch of like stunt drivers to stop short, mm-hmm. and then they kept not stopping short and hitting him. <laughs> and that's what's in the movie. Right. That's why he he like his car is fucked by the time he gets well, to the end of this.
1: Interestingly enough. Um, this is the same stunt driver who did the doubling for Steve McQueen and Bullet. In Bullet, yeah. And the same producer who's like, get me something like that, only try to jump it up a little bit. And he,
0: they wanted, Steve mm-hmm. McQueen was another option for this, right. and he's like, I just was in I, Bullet. I'm not doing this again. Already. Also, that wouldn't have worked. No, I think Steve McQueen
1: comes across as too polished to be this guy. Yeah. Um, and I think the choices that we, you mentioned, including Peter Boyle, that would have been a good one. Yeah. Later on, the same character was played very briefly in a television show, show. About Popeye Doyle, yeah, and it was in O'Neill. Oh yeah, and for like, sure, there we go. That's another. That's a choice really good. That's a really guy. good
0: choice, actually. Um, but yeah, and I think Mitchum would have been fucking terrifying. Right. I don't find this man terrifying. I find the fact that he exists in the space that he exists right. with the power that he exists with terrifying. But this man, well, I'm not scared of him.
1: Yeah. Well, so. The the scene is really tightly constructed. Um,
0: it is very well shot. It's long, <laughs> too. Right.
1: And it, what I liked about it is that it alternates between mm-hmm. Doyle... On the ground. On the ground, inside of his car, having these reactions. Yeah. a lot of scenes of, of Hackman screaming, and you can't see what he's saying. Yeah. He just and con- he's, you
0: hear him oh. honking, which is nice, because mm-hmm. in car chases too often, right. you're not hearing them honk. And he is honking his way through this thing, because he's not slowing at lights. He's right. just blowing right. Also, he's in a... Just a car. Just right. some dude's car. Nobody knows that's a cop. Yeah. So it's just some lunatic drive. Which, where are the cops trying to stop the lunatic driving like
1: this well, down the yeah. streets of New York? I they mean, sh- like... <laughs> I, I, apparently, there was the, the the takes that were done with uh, Hackman in the car. Uh-huh. And they mentioned that it took like a two-week kind of shoot. Wow. And then... Either, uh, probably just before that, the stunt driver had gotten into the car and just went nuts. He's driving 90 miles an hour. What? Friedkin is sitting in the back seat of the car with the camera shooting at himself because he just thought, you know, I want to be a part of the action what? and if, if it goes wrong, then I'll take responsibility for it. And apparently someone clipped a bus on the way there. He really did that run. And it was based on the fact that when they were told there had to be a car chase, because yeah. there wasn't in the script necessarily. He uh, or at least it wasn't given any detail Yeah, he had to sit there with I forget the guy's name last name but his first name really was Fats
0: and but it's like he was Thomas something right. like that Fats Thomas or something like that and yeah.
1: he they were getting all sorts of locations for local locations actual places uh, that because Friedkin said I, he didn't want like the second or third floor of the buildings up, which is what everyone sees in Manhattan. He wanted to get the sub basements and the kind of grungy, dirty parts of the, the city. And they took a walk on an L train, and that's what got them the idea. It's like, what if we're trying to chase the train? And there's a lot of interesting cutting between Nicoli on the train getting more and more hyped up. He shoots a cop,
0: he shoots another
1: man. There's, you know, he takes over the, the, the train itself. Yeah,
0: he shoots the security guard or the cop, whoever's yeah. on it. And he runs through, runs, runs, runs. He doesn't shoot the cop right away. He's running away from it Mm -hmm. because uh, Hackman yells, or Popeye yells. He's watered by the police. So the cop sees him. And so he starts sort of pursuing him through the train, like through the train. And he sees him, but he's not interacting with him. He's just trying to run ahead. And I'm just like, where do you think you're gonna go? Right. There's the front, and <laughs> then that's it. That's as far as you can count. Um, but he gets to a, a door that he can't get through, and that's when he shoots the cop, mm-hmm. freaking everybody out in the in the car. Then, if I see a cop chasing a dude who's fucking straight up running through my
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, train car, I'm already scared. <laughs> I'm just like, this isn't good. This could end up very badly. Uh, he So he shoots him, he gets through, he finally gets up to the front of the train, he forces his way in, and he... To the operator. Yeah, to the operator, who... Are they both black? The cop was black, yeah. I think the operator was also black, and he says, skip the next station, which is where Popeye is aiming, right? right? And he does. He doesn't want to. He's like, I gotta stop, and he's like... "He." I think he says something like, if you stop, I'll shoot you. Right. And... He's just shot somebody, so there's no reason to believe that that's not true. Uh, So they blow through that station, causing this to go on, this chase to go on longer. As they're coming up, I think, to the next station, the operator. It looks like he has a heart attack. Well, right.
1: He has a heart attack. There's like a delegation of men who come to the front of the train who are like trying to find out what they are Oh yeah, hey,
0: what are you doing? Everybody chill out, man, chill yes. out. And I'm like, Well you're gonna die. And that guy does. And he does. What's strange too. He's shooting at close
1: lot strange, what's the the uh he sh- he shoots both the officer and this guy, the mm. leader of this, this group who's asking what are you up to?
0: Vigilante. Right. Nope.
1: Uh, he shoots him at close range with a huge gun that just blows horrible sized holes in yes. these people.
0: Yeah. it's pretty bad. It's wild, especially compared because Popeye. We got a. I should note, has a very small snub nosed gun in his ankle hol- in close. an ankle holster, and that's the gun on him. And somebody asks why he does that, and, and then hears that or like jokes, I guess, that he's heard that other people do that so that they can like get up on a lady and she won't know you're a cop. Right. Gross.
1: <laughs> but consistent with this game. Seems character. right, yeah, right. but
0: also gross. Uh so uh right at the end of the at the at the end of the line there's a train <laughs> and
1: there's nowhere to go. Yeah, because the operator has had a heart attack <laughs> a heart, yeah. and has fainted.
0: And or he's collapsed. Yeah, he's or collapsed. Like. And so they run into the track. <laughs> and it's not like they must have slowed down or something, uh-huh. because there's no way at that speed, if they hit another train, he's that anybody be, in the, the front, the, the he's not, right. he so let so off he, on the right. throttle, okay. Because, yeah, that dude in the very front of the train, if they hit it full impact, would have just died, right. that would have just been it. Uh, but he doesn't die, he leaves, he jumps out, and he runs, 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 and by this time, Popeye has caught up, right. his car is. Fucked. That car is. I'm like that dude car. is. The other, the other guy's, guy's car, car. Right. Yes. <laughs> e, Worse even than the dude in Speed, who is Harold Perrineau, right. is the guy whose car is commandeered. He ends up staying in the car, but then he gets driven into the water right. jugs that they they have out there as I guess it, to keep People collisions fo- from being as bad as uh, if yeah. they hit a cement thing wild. So he jumps off, he runs, Popeye catches up and shoots him in the back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just shoots him in the back, which was a bone of contention. Apparently the producers were like, well, that's just murder. You can't right. do that. And Friedkin was like, no, that's what he'd do, so that's what we're going to keep in there.
1: <laughs> like, well? <laughs> well? He's also constructing a story that in yes. the end goes in a, dif- a direction. And at this point, you're also supposed to be saying to yourself, this guy is not the hero of the story. Because there is no hero of this as story. as he's As they keep trying to point out, or the way the story is, is directing you, is that Doyle lacks focus and is now just, he's angry.
0: And because realistically, too, he's probably drunk.
1: Right. I
0: don't know that there's well, a point in this movie where he doesn't have blood, when alcohol, when and When you insulin. saw it,
1: right, you said something like, he just shot him in the back. You were yep. surprised by it, and I thought, and th- is that guy going to get arrested for it? But he just shot a mom. No, I know. Just the killed dude killed
0: a bunch of people, a cop. At least now I don't know if it's true then, but mm-hmm. it must have been because it was brought up as that's not self-defense, that's murder. Right. You have to believe in the at the time that you pull that trigger, that your life is imminently in danger. Yeah. And that is not true when a man who is unarmed is running away from you upstairs. Yeah. It's just not. It's in no way is that. You might want to shoot him because you watched him kill all these other people and he, and he made you do that crazy chase and you almost died several times. That doesn't mean you get to shoot him in the back. Except you do, apparently. And then they, they trail this car. This car that's just sitting outside of the guy that started it all, right? Like mm-hmm. it's, it's uh, Sal's, outside of Sal's um apartment I guess? Is that where it is? Or outside the shop? Anyways, they 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 sit there and do a stakeout on it and it doesn't go anywhere. And finally they're like, I don't know, this is the car, we're taking it. <laughs> I'm just like, okay. <laughs> Not a warrant to be seen anywhere in this movie. Uh, well, that's not true, because they do get wiretaps on the right. South they, f- Home and Business That's how they discover the,
1: the, the voice of the Frenchman. That's as, right. Or, of, they use another term for yeah. it. Yeah,
0: there, there is a third character in the sort of conspiracy, uh-huh. it's, um, which is a film director, a French film director, uh-huh. who is the one who brought the Lincoln over, like the the original car with the drugs in it. I don't know that he knew that there were drugs in it. He knew he was doing something for some shady dudes. He finds out eventually. Yeah, but I think right, right. at the beginning he's like, I, "I'm just doing this thing. They're going to pay me whatever it is." He was supposed to be scouting for some, or he, that's the the ruse is that he's scouting for a mo- like locations right. for a movie. If that's true, I don't know. Uh, but after at a certain point, I think before they take the car, he's like this is too much, I am out. Like, whatever yeah. you're gonna do, I'm out of it. So, Cloudy and Popeye take in this car, impound this car. It's a, it's a fancy Lincoln. And the the mechanics at the police impound lot take this car apart. Cut it up.
1: Mm.
0: Everything. Which is why I'm confused by the next scene, but and they don't find anything. And, and Popeye keeps going, I know it's in there. I know it is. I know this. I da, 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 da. But he doesn't have any fucking proof. <laughs> because he's going on his hunch, which, if you'll recall, got a cop killed earlier. How? Who could say? And finally, Cloudy is like, hey, how much did the thing weigh when, when we brought it in? And he gives the number. And Cloudy's looking at the owner's manual and he's like, it weighed 120 pounds too much. And then he looks at the manifest because it, it came over by boat. <laughs> um, and it had weighed too much then as well. So they're like, it's 120 pounds over. So there's something in here that's 120 pounds. And I was like, nothing in the trunk then? Okay. Uh, but <laughs> they, he says, I've taken everything out except, was it the running bar- boards or something like that? The rocker panel. Mm-hmm. Which I believe is like when you open the car door, the the thing you step over yes. basically to get into the car, right? And so they they uh pry up the panel, and then there's like a like an insulation layer, mm-hmm. and they peel that up, and then inside there are a bunch of bricks of cocaine, <laughs> 120 pounds worth in the two sides of the car. And they hey. find that. And then at the same time, we see Charnier at the impound pissed because his car was it- towed. Uh, Because that's the story that they gave. Right. And he wants it back. He's ordering them to get it back to him. Now, this has to be done asynchronously. Yes. Because they do give him back the same car. And it doesn't look like right. they just so destroyed
1: it. The guy who is taking apart the car... In the film, is the person who did the exact same job in real life. Mm. They called him as a technician and a consultant, and he's like, "No, this is what we do." And they yeah. just a lot of this film is done documentary style, yeah. Which is the idea is to make it seem as, like as something you're looking at on the news, right? Uh, which the, makes it worse. <laughs> down to the shaky camera in the entire yeah. bit.
0: Yeah, Um yeah. There was some sh- there was some handheld stuff in here right. where I was like, I can't look at that. It's too. Right. I need that study <laughs> I'm, I'm well,
1: weak. It was a few years out. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so they, according to, and it was, as you're saying, it's not because the car was taken apart and put back together again, as Freakin said, in a six-hour period.
0: Okay. Which yeah, is because nuts, because they put it right back. But, but Here's my thing. Together again. They would have had to cut out, they would cut the headliner. Mm -hmm. So cars don't really have it now, Mm -hmm. but there used to be just a thing of cloth across Mm -hmm. the top, and that is where you'd hide things. They cut into the seats. How? How did they return this car ostensibly, totally unscathed? I just don't understand it. But apparently they did it. That's what I yeah, and it looks like it's happening literally at the same time. Right. Like Charnier is definitely not sitting there for f- six hours. Obviously, there would be some time before he realized he had to go do this. But it is we're seen we're we're shown those things basically at the same time, mm. and it's like magic. Like, voila, here's the same car. But that's fine, and so. Uh, we've also had a scene where um, Sal, our the low man on the totem pole, mm-hmm. has traveled to DC along with Charnay separately, but they meet up in DC. And Sal's like, "Hey, we need. It's too hot. There's too much heat on us. We need some. We want to do extra. We want extra time." And Charnier's is like, "Nope." <laughs> Just very chill and very like, "That's not nope." See you on Friday or whatever right. it is. And, uh, but they met there because they knew, they knew Popeye was watching them and whoever else. Uh, so Devereux is the name of the film director mm-hmm. that was supposed to drop this car off. Mm-hmm. And he was like, nope. So Charnier takes that job over and goes directly to uh, make the handoff. And it's what, $32 million. Something like that, yeah. Is the the amount, um, because this cocaine apparently... Heroin. Heroin. This heroin is extremely pure, so they're going to be able to cut it and make it go a long way. way. And so street value, $32 million. It must be more than that, because they're giving them $32 million, so street value is going to be more than that. Why would you give exactly what you're going to make? But that's fine. And so the exchange is made. As you say, they pull up the um, the I forgot again rocker. They pull up the rocker panels on their car, the the Lincoln that they've had the drugs in, Mm -hmm. and on a. Sort of similar style car that they had bought at a police auction for twenty nine dollars or something. So, yeah. I was just like, you only get shit cheap at a police auction, but not for under a hundred dollars. Um, well, maybe if it's like riddled with bullets and full of blood, then you can have it for ninety nine fifty. But like, it was fifty seven Plymouth Fury.
1: No. That's how Christine.
0: Yes, don't do that. Like, explicitly don't buy a foodie. That, really, that would be Fury. a great crossover. It's like, I well, want that car. It becomes a She's car like, You're not cutting me open. Ride. That is not a thing that's going to happen. You know, she'd just eat all of the heroin. It would be a mess. Yes. <laughs> um, well, a so switch <laughs> they no, switch no, it over. No. They switch it over, and Charnier goes to drive the the Lincoln. Now laden mm. laden down with cash instead of drugs, and goes over a bridge, and whoops, there's a bunch of cops there, including Doyle, including Doyle, Doyle's in doing the lead. hand thing. Hi, he waves. Dee, 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 dee. Very, and then yeah. Charnier very coolly just turns the fuck around and goes back, and he's like, "Cops are that way," and then the cops come in, mm. big shootout, and but Charnier runs away into like this abandoned. It looks like an abandoned like hospital. It's not, I'm sure, but maybe like a mill or something. So he runs in there, a bunch of people run after him. Doyle almost shoots Cloudy at one point. He's like, it's me, don't shoot me, right? And then not a minute later in the film, film time, uh, Popeye sees like a shadowy figure in Mm -hmm. the distance. And before he knows for sure who the fuck it is, he shoots him, and it's the FBI agent. Yes, that's right. He, he unloads shoot. on him. That's right. Not all of his bullets, right. but maybe at least all but one. Maybe that's why there's only a single right. shot at the end. Um, and he has now shot and killed a federal agent. So Popeye's hunches have now led to the deaths of two law enforcement officers. Good job. And Scott is like, you, what... <laughs> you killed this dude, what the fuck are you doing? Popeye gets up and runs, and he's like, I know I can get him, I know I can get him. And he runs out a door, and then we stay on that shot. He has left the frame of the film. Mm -hmm. And then we hear one single gunshot, and then Popeye Doyle and Popeye, you know, these two people got uh, transferred to a new division. This person got... uh, charged with a misdemeanor but it was thrown out this person got charged with a misdemeanor and did two months this person got five four years for a conspiracy charnier was never found like that was he got away and was never found so there is this ambiguity at the end where it's a single bullet or single gunshot so what did you think happened I read it as there are two different possibilities. I think the probability is he used his last shot to try and shoot at a figure in the distance and he doesn't make mm-hmm. it. Well, there are three options. That's one. The next is he shot him and the police covered it up so he right. got away and, and it was never found or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. So extrajudicial jud- killing. And the third option is he put a bullet in himself because he was yeah. like, well, I've just killed a fed and... uh I failed, and I'm probably drunk right now, and probably have a concussion because that fucking chase definitely fucked my brain up. <laughs> and he killed himself. Now we know that that's not true because there is a sequel there to this sequel, movie. Right. We know that neither of those two last things are true right. because the sequel has both of them in it.
1: Yeah, I I think that uh, which sequel, is
0: fucking wild that they not made directed a sequel. By,
1: for that. Um, which was directed... he doesn't direct any of the sequels like any of he directed um it was directed by John Frankenheimer actually who that's interesting um but the thing it wasn't a very apparently it wasn't a financial success because
0: it was at least four years after the original yeah. that's and also by then, like honestly uh-huh. now i'm not gonna like i wouldn't we rewatch this movie right. I'm definitely not watching a sequel uh-huh. and I think one of the reasons that people like this movie so much is the ambiguity of the end. Although a lot of people don't think it's ambiguous, but whatever. There right. are three options, so it's ambiguous. But to put a movie out where it had the original, I'm going to use the word protagonist here, even though I don't know that's correct, and the original villain, mm-hmm. although I'd argue that is probably the villain of the piece. I don't know. Uh... Going up against each other later, especially when you know he got transferred out of narcotics, right? And the other guy was never found. Well, the, the to then have sequel the sequel apparently is
1: kind of a, almost a fantasy. It's just Doyle it. actually goes to France and pursues him around.
0: Because guess where you don't have any right. fucking. And I will say there is a point in this where they are following somebody. And uh, they get to, like, an underpass, like, basically a tunnel. Right. And they just turn around. Right. They just turn around and, and walk away. You. And I was like, this is their life. Right. So
1: I, I uh, he follows him to, uh, to Marseille, and there's all sorts of business there. Uh, Frankenheimer, if you remember, directed both Ronan, which yeah. was a film of lots of It's really were, good, yeah, yeah, and also directed the Mentor in Canada.
0: Uh-huh. So I'd be curious to see it from that point of view. Like, mm-hmm. what would he do with this material? But by I am surprised, given how uh, much Hackman did not like this character, that he came back and did this again.
1: I am sure that at that point there was a great. Well, there was also um, part of it was there's a scene in the sequel apparently where. Popeye is captured and doped up and strung out on heroin. And they get him addicted. And so, I don't think he would Hackman take much. He yes. already is addicted. Hackman in... does a number of scenes of him with going through withdrawals. And, th- and it gave wow. him a challenge as an actor. For sure. To be able to come back and do these really gritty scenes of him trying to recover from being strung out. It may
0: also have... Sort of in his mind, got uh, given him. Well, he's at least getting mm-hmm. some comeuppance, right? For being such a shitty
1: person, right.
0: but I don't know. But, I mean, this is I so know.
1: far different from the action because the first book, the the film, the French connection is based on a book based right. on a true story, right? This is not at all what happened, right? right. He did not obviously, yeah, Marseille and pursue him, and and um, but anyhow, uh, yeah, I uh. I read the ending at first when I saw it mm-hmm. I was under the impression that he had killed Charlie but it's like that's why the one bullet off the distance but, um why you hear that
0: and, I will say that's one of the louder the the first shot that we get like the mm-hmm. the in the very opening scene the bullet like the the gunshot sound is very loud mm-hmm. and then the last gunshot Sound is very loud. It's off screen, but it's loud. Right. I guess to make sure that you know, this is a gunshot. <laughs>
1: yeah. I um. I don't know. Having heard some of the other theories, including Friedkin whose idea was, uh, that by the end he's just shooting at shadows. He's shooting at anything. He nearly shoots his own partner, who's the only person who really cares what happens to him. He shoots the uh, FBI agent. And at this point, Doyle's just running around shooting at random dark shadows in this building. And this is his fate. You know, He's in a personal kind of hell now. He's just shooting at anything. Um, So that was the way or the way that Friedkin did it or what he had in mind. But he said he appreciates the fact that leaving it open that way, you're able to make up your own mind about how far he's gone. But you're following him literally on this descent that he's going through. And shooting the cop... uh, Shooting, rather, the assassin in the back was one part of it. But the end of it is shooting this other cop and then just wandering off the dark, shooting off his gun at random things. Yeah, right.
0: You didn't learn Mm -hmm. anything from shooting indiscriminately um, literally a minute ago. Literally one minute ago, you killed somebody. And you're so hyper-focused on the I can do this, I can do this. Right. That you... And,
1: and so what he's doing is that he is in in this film, and again a point that also got missed by people who really enjoyed Dirty Harry. He's, you're showing a person who's just unraveling, yeah. And you're you're seeing the fact that he's he can't he can't he's not even going to in any way follow any kind of procedure or right. any kind of form. That's one it's of the reasons It's
0: even more upsetting. is the first thing you see after that gunshot is these two got reassigned, right. Reassigned.
1: Yeah.
0: How about forced into treatment and early retirement? What the fuck? Anyway, sorry. I'm <laughs> just, it's, it, uh, it aggravates me. I'm just <laughs> aggravated. And I, I might be, I don't think this movie is glorifying his behavior no. in any way. I might just be aggravated because I'm like, yeah. That's true. That's real. That yeah. happens. And I hate it. And there's fuck all I can do about it. And it makes me mad. Uh, I'm at least glad that Gene Hackman was like, fuck this dude. I don't right. like and, it. And
1: so that was, that was his approach to it. Yeah. Uh, the director's approach was like, Which, we in, need to, in other words, he wanted to show what this person is and what they did. Yeah. And he wasn't. Trying to glorify him in any way. And
0: I think it speaks to Hackman's skill. And he Mm. won the the Academy Award for this performance that he could hate the character and still be the character instead of being separate from it. He may not have gone as deep as like, you know, a character actor who's like, or not a character actor, a fucking method actor Mm -hmm. who's like living in the skin of this person. for. No, he wasn't going to do that he tried acting, and he did a really good job. So, there is that. This one, Best Picture, I don't... I don't understand uh, that. I don't know what it was up against. I'm gonna go look at that. Yeah, Hackman's performance, I think, is the... I think everyone's performance is good. Yeah, I I, think so, too. Scheider is so weird. This might be the youngest I've ever seen him. We're gonna uh, see him again later, too. And, uh... He, he like he said, he's got like seven seven to nine lines of this movie. That's obviously a gross understatement, but he probably speaks about ten percent of what Popeye speaks. Yeah. Like it's it's not from his perspective, and he is very clearly like the opposite side of the coin. Right. I mean, he's probably racist. They still use the slurs, mm-hmm. all of this stuff, but he is not I mean, he almost has um a Danny Glover in Lethal Weapon right. sort of I'm too old for this shit attitude. Like I and like at one point somebody asks him something about whether he agrees with with Popeye or whether he's gonna back him up or whatever, and he's like I'm with my partner. And he says it very, sort of, resigned. Yeah. Like, I'm not happy about it, but he's my partner, so here yeah, we are. Apparently,
1: the actual police pair, right, Grosso and, and um, Egan, were very much opposites, and Egan had gone through any number of partners who couldn't stand him.
0: <laughs> Surprise!
1: And so, when those two got along and had this remarkable arrest record... uh uh-huh. That kind of fueled this sort of uh, the story. They're always playing good cop, bad cop. Yeah, because one was a good cop and one was a bad cop. Yeah.
0: So this was up against Clockwork Orange, Fiddler on the Roof, The Last Picture Show, Ed, Nicholas, and Alexandria. Hmm. Uh, and for Best Picture, and that's almost the same list as director uh-huh. uh, with. So whoever directed Nicholas and Alexandria wasn't nominated. Mm-hmm. Uh, John Schlesinger was nominated for Sunday, Buddy Sunday. Mm-hmm. Those and then Clute were the big mm-hmm. <laughs> sort of... But Last Picture Show took everything that this right. one didn't take. Roy Scheider was nominated, but then... I win. can
1: really understand then the, the sort of feeling that this was another golden age for films, because that's a really good selection of movies. The Last Picture Show is just... I've never seen it. Yeah, it's something...
0: I'm trying to think right now. Uh-huh. There is a woman singing in the Copacabana, but I think, and then there are the women that are sort of um, over the woman that had been shot, like mm-hmm. you hear their voices in the background. I don't think there's any female-speaking parts in this movie. Um, there
1: is Tony Bianco, Lo Bianco's wife.
0: Does she, do we hear her she, we, say she anything? She does have a
1: conversation both with him and later on with uh, Roy Scheider. okay. Uh, when he's sort of like flirting with her. Uh, about uh, posing for some underwear or something. Oh, okay,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, let
1: me
0: think. <laughs> The, the woman that Hackman picks up squeaks, but she doesn't right. say Miranda anything. Fernando wife, that character, Garney's wife, is in one scene in the film. Oh, I don't remember that either. Nothing. Okay. okay. Um, oh, right at the beginning. Right, That's had right. Really fancy... That's his wife. She was so much younger. Hey. <laughs> was it him or was it and I'm trying to think if there's anybody else. It wasn't Devereaux. It was. It yeah. was his. It was his. Okay, um, that's right. She was at the right at the beginning. That was that seemed like such a separate thing. Well, I think it was trying to establish
1: the fact that the the difference between the contrast between him and Doyle was the fact that he has. This he's
0: this like he's got this fancy. It. You know what it felt like. Uh, um, the end of one of the. Bond movies. I
1: was, I was about to say, he feels like a Bond villain. He
0: seems like a Bond villain. But one of the... I don't know which of the... I think it was one of the first two of the Daniel Craig Bond movies, mm-hmm. where at the end he, like, goes to, like, this house on the sea.
1: Oh, yes. That would be in the end of Casino Royale. Casino
0: Royale. Mm-hmm. That's what it felt like. Because they are at this beautiful house right. on right on the sea, Um. And, yeah, she's, like, excited that she's getting a present.
1: has yeah, the fur coat I've ever seen.
0: Uh, yeah. So, okay, so there are female speaking parts. Mm. But, but 20 lines max? I don't know. Something like that. I mean, it's a man's world, which is another thing. I, I uh, Sometimes I don't notice it during. I'll notice it after. If but I get tired when I watch two hours of just dudes, it's exhausting to me. So that was another sort of thing about this Maybe. movie where I just am deflated. I just like dropped like, like three inches. I need to like sit up straight. But um, so what did you? Say? I think that car chase is starting. I think
1: the car chase is one of the best constructed just scenes in a film.
0: Its location in this countdown yeah. is a little bit baffling to me. I am saying that a lot of people consider this to be the greatest car chase that ever was and ever will be. I don't know I about don't that. I don't know about that. And I'm not even, like, they're talking about You know, Fast and the Furious will never live. Fast and mm-hmm. the Furious is 90%, or it's a lot CGI. It's not as good. It's right. just not going to be as good. What I it,
1: think what it has, the advantage again it has over something like Fast and the Furious is the fact that um, these are real people who are in actual peril. Yep. And in the Fast and Furious also, films... Also,
0: these are times when the cars were made out of metal. <laughs> right.
1: In the Fast and Furious films, you have cars jumping from building to building. Yeah. Cars Just driving... Just things that are not. ...being chased by submarines. Yeah. There there are so the Cars in space. Right. Like it's not... There's no way of actually having anything to relate to, whereas... No,
0: it's not like a car chase. It's like a cool... It's a set piece. Right. It's not a car chase.
1: But this... And it... it is so realistic in an actual location with uh everyone's been on it well not everyone, but most people have been on an elevated train. We have all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh most people have been underneath one. There's you know Yep. Uh
0: like off like, sometimes on the day. You know? Right. It's
1: just there's so much to relate to that you get a real sense of the danger in this. Yeah. And I, I think that's the reason why it works and the reason why it, it succeeds. Um the gags that get pulled during the, the the chase scene too, particularly the baby carriage, yeah, which from is, speed again, <laughs>
0: also in speed, yeah, speed is like just right. yoink, yoink, it's yoink, like, yoink, yoink. But you know what uh, speed gives you? A protagonist, a dude you like.
1: <laughs> uh, that's probably the approach that they took, which is this would be really good if we could if it was more of the, the central part of the film. It,
0: Yeah, if you, I feel like it widens your audience too. To just have deeply unlikable characters stem to stern Mm -hmm. is tough and it is going to narrow your audience. And I noticed there are, you know, it's got like a crazy high, like 96% on Rotten Tomatoes or Mm -hmm. something like that. The only people at the time that I could see. Speaking out with a negative review were women,
1: because
0: mm. they were like it relies on violence, it relies on this, that, and the other. Like it's not particularly engaged. Like it's it it really alienated women. I think it alienated. And not to say that Ebert, Siskel, and Ebert, because they both gave up four stars. And they weren't working mm-hmm. together at that point. They were separate right. still, but are not empathetic people. But it feels like the more empathy you have, the the less patience for this film. It you was might also add. part
1: of a wider spectrum of movies. Look at the movies even nominated that year.
0: Yeah, right. Just I yeah. It's just like this is is this is running against... how, people, how are people the not just popping fucking Prozac after right. going to every movie? But seventies films are fucking
1: right. Rough. But there was also. As I look at the, the films, The Last
0: Picture Show, or Fiddler on the Roof. And I don't movie, know what The Last Picture Show is. Um, it's a, I've never seen it. It's a it. film
1: about uh, a guy growing up in Texas in the 50s. And that's basically... Maybe
0: I have seen it.
1: Yeah, it's in but, black and white, and it's Sybil Shepherd, and it's Jeff Bridges, and it's, it's a really... But also, A Clockwork Orange. Right, A Clockwork Orange.
0: But so the meaning
1: is, when you look at all of those films together, it's like it's such a widespread of movies that you could say, I really like this one.
0: And not that one. And, and that's that, fine. And that's fine, yeah. because there were films where... Yeah. We're had, getting to a point right. where movies are coming out simultaneously. It's not just one movie mm-hmm. at a time. Yeah. Or one movie every two weeks. And if you didn't like right, it, exactly. too fucking bad. Uh, so maybe, yeah, that, that makes sense. Here's a fun fact. Popeye's Louisiana Kitchen... Is named after this character, yeah. which is bonkers. Yeah, so that's <laughs> this movie. Thrilling for sure. Yeah. Part of it, at least. Aggravating 100%. Yes. <laughs> Number eight on the list. I don't know. I don't know. <sighs> we're going to stop talking about this movie now. You want to know what we're t- watching next?
1: What are we watching?
0: We're watching some burbs. Oh, okay. That's going to be interesting. <laughs> it's going to be the birds next week. Another Hitchcock. It's Hitchcock. There's at least two more. There's, yes, there's two more Hitchcock after the birds. Uh, yes, there are two more after the birds. So when we get to the end of this, too, I want to line up all the Hitchcocks and see if they did that You're in right. the right order, too. Uh, so Tippy Hedren having a real, real bad day <laughs> in the birds. Close to us. We've been to the yeah. place. Event of Bodega Bay, we where they have the, Bay, the. We
1: went to go see the schoolhouse, and the schoolhouse. yes, there was a crow, if you there remember, That's sitting like, on Corbett, the fence. No. And the three of us, it was me, you, and I think Alex were yeah. out there, and then the other couple that was there, we all got back in our cars, kind of like, quietly, mm, like, no, we've well, seen how
0: this works. And we've seen what you happens have next. a lovely day, Burb. <laughs> <laughs> we will be leaving you alone. So, you know what surprised me about that was I was looking it up earlier to see sort of schedule my life. Uh, that movie is an hour and 59 minutes long. Yeah. I was very surprised. And I don't remember the first time I watched it feeling like it was two hours long. So I'm curious to see how that...
1: There's was. a lot of character development before we get to the birds. And speaking of roles for women,
0: Tippi Hedren does get a nice... There's a theory. lot of women in this right. movie. Juicy role to it. Yeah. In fact, I can't remember any dudes in this movie Rod right Taylor. now. Rod Taylor, who oh, right. he's supposed to be Popeye. The oh, kid right. that guy could have done it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll see. Okay. So that's next week. Uh, uh, until then, I know what you're going to recommend, but go ahead and I, recommend it. I,
1: I really enjoyed two things we saw this weekend, but I mm-hmm. know that you're going to recommend the other one. So. You don't know me? Uh, <laughs> you, you think? <laughs> I really enjoyed Monarch, Legacy yes. of
0: Monsters. Yep, 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 yep. I
1: like Gojira.
0: <laughs> Gojira! I like that the first time we hear his name, it's uh-huh. the Japanese version. Right. That made me happy. Uh,
1: but it's a it's a really fun TV show. It's very much... Uh, yeah, it's like watching the X-Files with Kaiju.
0: It's Apple TV. Mm-hmm. It just started, so the first two episodes dropped. Mm-hmm. Um, and by the time this airs, a third will have dropped. Right. Uh and I think Wednesdays is the day that it comes out. And uh yeah, it's really fun. It's yeah. got some very weird time jumps. Like there were points where I was like, When right. are <clears> we? <throat> Which I think they're doing on purpose, but it is It's about the founding of this
1: organization that any if you followed any of the, the Monsterverse movies, starting with Godzilla through Godzilla vs. Kong, Godzilla King of the Monsters, Skull Island, it's sort of Following the foundation of the organization, that by the time we get to King of the Monsters or Godzilla versus Kong, actually just tracks the Titans that Titans, Yeah.
0: yeah.
1: Um, and Muto's. so. Mutos. Yes. And then they're still in Muto And it's the character that eventually, there's flashbacks to John Goodman's in it, but he's, there are flashbacks back to his youth.
0: Yep. And Kurt Russell. And Kurt Russell. And... Back to his son as the younger version Right, of which is really funny. It's so good, though, to watch them to get like, that, right. those scenes back-to-back, because you're like, oh, yeah, that dude definitely could grow into that dude, because that dude is gonna grow into that dude. <laughs> <But, laughs> so. yeah, it's,
1: it's really, it was a really fun show, and I appreciate it, and um, yeah, I'm looking forward to what they do on the show next. So, what do you recommend? Oh,
0: yeah, I'm going to recommend the Marvels. Oh, really? Yeah. What is that? Don't, don't listen to the misogynistic <laughs> oh, assholes. Yeah. Is this movie a little bit predictable? Mm, yes. Is this movie hitting some beats that other Marvel movies have made? Yes. Why? Because there are 33 of them right. and they've done all of the things. Is this movie super fun? Yes. Is this movie star a bunch of ladies on both the villain and the good guy side? Absolutely. Is this movie directed and written and produced by a bunch of women? Yes, it is. Such a breath of fresh air after this movie, this man movie that we had to watch, but that's not why it's good. It's good because it's a comic book movie that is fun. You can laugh, and you will laugh at it. I also cried a couple of times, but it's they, they've they done a couple now where it feels like, oh, I can have fun at this movie. It's not serious. I mean, it's serious, but it's not like end of the entire universe stakes, even though it is end of the entire movie. universe stakes. But it doesn't feel like this oppressive thing. It feels like these are some capable people who are going to figure this shit well, out. Well, this is... When this is how I
1: felt, because I really enjoyed the movie, yeah. And I turned to our roommate who was watching it with us and said, I'm between this one and Birds of Prey, which I also really liked. Mm. The difference between the way a female led superhero movie goes, as opposed to a way a male led superhero goes, a film goes, and in particular, when you're yes, it's about universe ending stakes, and what we've seen from that before is that it boils down to. Essentially, either a war or a fist fight between guys. Yes. Right. And so it seems really ridiculous. The whole universe is down to two guys punching each other in the face. Yeah. Or rather, in the case of Infinity Wars, several guys punching this other guy in the face. And there's a big fight. Here, it's somebody set something in motion they didn't
0: understand. Yeah.
1: The, the ramifications They thought of that they did. were
0: doing a good, and then it turns right. out they did a bad. As a matter of fact, this
1: follows the the whole uh, William Friedkin thing. They fucked around and found out. They fucked around. And they really, everyone does in this film, including Brie Larson. Yeah. The three leads. Brie Larson, Iman um, Villani. Yeah. Teyana Paris. Those are the marvels. And Iman Villani was previously... On the TV show *Miss Marvel*, and she's hysterical. So
0: good. She, she is yes. the beating heart of this movie and of the one end uh, of the show. The show I thought was so fun. Right. I really, really liked it. Plus, I learned a lot about Pakistan and India, which who knew that was gonna happen? And uh, yeah, she's yeah so she's cute
1: and funny. Being a person who's like a stand-in for the audience, in that if this world existed this is the kind of person that, you know, this is a fangirl.
0: The other thing is... She loves Captain Marvel. Yeah, Iman herself Mm -hmm. is a fangirl. She writes comic books. She's a child. She's not a child. She's 21. But she writes comic books. Yeah. Like herself. Yeah, I
1: I really liked it. And mostly because there was such a complaint about Brie Larson with the first film. And in this movie, she gets to be really funny.
0: She is very funny. And she's very... Like, as serious as she can get in mm-hmm. this movie, and in a lot of... They never really gave her, yet yeah, a chance as Captain Marvel, mm-hmm. like, once she turned into Captain Marvel, yeah. to just be a person.
1: What I liked about this is that Brie Larson hits that serious note yeah. a lot, but it's in contrast to both Iman and Diana doing this kind of
0: opposite thing, and they're all very distinct characters. They are. They are. It's a lot of fun. Like it's an enjoyable watch. Just go watch it. Dudes are gonna yeah. like it too. It's not just I for think women. Though,
1: it's not just the idea. Uh, yes, obviously, because you read a lot of reviews of the film, and it's a lot of guys complaining about women being pushed. It got
0: play review play. bombed real hard right. before it came out because you yeah. know fragile but I men think are so fragile.
1: For uh, an, another uh, issue is that the last couple of Marvel movies. Like the Eternals or Quantumania have not also.
0: They haven't really made a connection. Right. And I think part of it is. Part of it is now they kind of feel like homework. Mm-hmm. Like you can't watch this until you've right. seen 400 hours of stuff. And if you haven't been watching since Iron Man came out,
1: Right. there'll be all sorts of things that you. It's impossible. It's very much the way a comic book runs, but at the same time, this is the reason why a lot of people don't read comic books because you get left out of something. Yeah.
0: Um, And and as much as I don't want a twenty-minute fucking, you know, like primer on. Like when, you, when you're watching a, a TV show that's been going on for a long time or that has a lot of plot lines mm-hmm. in it and the beginning of the thing is like previously on, not last time on, but previously on, and they kind of give you the last right. plot point of the, of the threads we're going to talk about now. Like this character four episodes ago did this. Just remember because it's going to be important. It'd be really nice to have something like that. But not at the beginning of the movie. Maybe Mm. as a trailer. Right. Put the the trailers are so long. Right. But yeah, it just feels at 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 a certain point like the barrier to entry has gotten so high, and then there is the fucking the dudes that are like, if you haven't seen every single thing, then are you even a really a fan? Which well, see, that's uh, this is
1: something I said to you (laughs) and our roommate what after the movie was done, which is part of the complaints seem to be that there are hardcore comic book fans who are like, but this isn't like the comic book. And my point is that... It's a movie. It's a movie, <laughs> and it's a movie for a much wider audience than the people who watch the comic yeah. book. And so you can't just sort of like go after all these sort of details and the minutiae of these comic book characters. You really want to create it so
0: that all sorts of people will come watch the movie. Yeah. yeah, so this movie is really fun. And, Don't... Oh yeah, absolutely. Ignore... Ignore any bullshit you, it's fun if you person? want to watch
1: your own person, go watch this movie if
0: you want to watch a fun movie uh-huh. this is a this is a good this is a popcorn movie this is a Saturday afternoon right. kid with kids with you right. know as a date it's a good it's movie a it's a movie. good time guys, we're done. we're gonna watch some burbs birds. uh I, <laughs> specifically <laughs> or Alfred Hitchcock's the birds yeah. I don't like the word bird burb is better. But we're going to do that next week. Join us, won't you? Uh, in the meantime, you can reach us if you have any questions, comments, concerns, ideas for what we do after this. Because we are now on number... Next week is number seven. Mm-hmm. We're almost done with this series. Uh, you can email us at lakecomerspod at gmail.com. Or you can find us on Facebook. Because Twitter is a dumpster fire. <sighs> If you don't want to reach out, that's okay, I'll forgive you, but I do want to remind you. My cat also wants to remind you to take your medicines, and we'd like to remind you, better late than never.